0: You're listening to Sports Connections with David Smale, the show that brings you a fun and intimate look into connections throughout sports. Now, here's your host, David Smale. In
1: 2015, the Bremerton, Washington School District suspended and later fired Coach Joe Kennedy over his silent 15-second prayer after his team's game. School District put Coach Kennedy first on paid leave because of his refusal to comply with the district's lawful and constitutionally required directives that he refrained from engaging in overt public religious displays on the football field while on duty as a coach. All that, according to a school district statement, his dismissal created an immediate uproar locally and nationally. People on the right cried foul on the school district for restricting Coach Kennedy's freedom of speech. Those on the left supported the opinion that was stated in an editorial by the Washington Post, which they wrote to a senator and a representative. And it says this, you should be ashamed. You are promoting the idea that we should live in an America where public school officials can pr- publicly pray in front of students. You're promoting an America where it's OK to ignore the protections set up not just for religious minorities, but for the growing number of nuns, the roughly 20 percent of Americans who say they're unaffiliated. The Post and others on the left believe that the First Amendment, which states Congress shall make no law respecting establishment of religion, means that people in public government position, like school district employees, don't have the right to express their beliefs as stated later in that same sentence where it says, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. First Liberty Institute filed a lawsuit against the school district on behalf of Coach Kennedy. A federal district court upheld Coach Kennedy's termination on appeal. A three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit concluded that because Coach Kennedy could be seen by students and fans engaging in religious expression, the school lawfully terminated his employment and his silent prayers were not protected by the Constitution. In 2019, the Supreme Court declined to review the case, but the case has been returned to the district court to answer some of the questions raised by the Supreme Court justices. Upon rehearing the district court, again sided with the school district, setting up a return to the Ninth Circuit. Now, First Liberty is hoping that the questions that have been answered enough uh, that the Supreme Court will hear this case again. And Coach Joe Kennedy joins us today along with Council Mike Berry of First Liberty. Gentlemen, welcome to Sports Connections. Thank you. It's great to be with you. I'd like to start first with with your background, Coach Kennedy. How long have, have you been a coach? I was coaching for eight
2: years. It was right after I got out of the military, and I just started uh, coaching high school football right after that. Did you play
1: football yourself?
2: I tried when I was in high school, but I was a little guy. I was about 108 pounds, I I believe, in high school. Mm. Uh, I did play for the Marine Corps, though, later in my life.
1: Okay, so a, a Marine, you were basically on the front lines fighting for the right to do what they took away from you. Is that right? That is absolutely correct, sir. Have you coached any other sports besides football? I coached a little bit
2: with uh, wrestling, but that was just coming in and helping some of the other coaches at the other schools that I knew. And also I coached um, quite a bit of uh, mixed martial arts and now women's self-defense classes as soon as I got out of the military. Okay, is that stuff that you picked up
1: in the Marines? Yes, sir, it was. Okay. You know, a lot of coaches, you mentioned early on that uh, maybe it was even before we started recording that you felt called to be a coach. When did that happen? Have you known for a long time that you wanted to be a coach?
2: It kind of just happened. It was, uh, if you believe in coincidences, which I do not, Uh, (laughs) I was out running one day and I was wearing one of my Bremerton shirts and I was stopped and asked if I wanted to uh, coach football and it was just completely out of the blue. I was out in public, just out on a run on a sunny day. So, you know, it was actually my calling. It wasn't something that I pursued or even even thought about it at the time. I shared with you
1: before we started recording that I'm part of a coach's ministry. And we, we believe that uh, that all coaches share two things. One, a call to coach. If you're called to coach, you have to coach. You may not be in a coaching setting, in a sports setting, but you're still going to coach the people around you. And the second thing that all coaches share is the same first name. Your, your first name is no longer Joe, it's coach. And so <laughs> yes, I, think, <laughs> I think we can agree, uh, agree on that. Um, Absolutely. Okay. How do you view your role as a
2: coach? Um, mine was actually a very unique um, e- experience for me. I wasn't hired because I knew all the exes. X's and Os of football. If you ask any of my players or any of my other coaches, I was the only one who really didn't know any of that. I was called to be the, the guy who led the team um, how, how to get the most out of those young men that are executing the X's and Os. So my part was uh, team development and you know get the most out of my coaches and
1: also my players. And so <clears throat> I'm guessing that your marine training, uh, played a role in that because I, I was, I was never in the military, lifelong diabetic. They didn't want me. Uh, but I, what I know about, uh, all branches of the military, specifically the Marines is that you are, you are taught to work together. You are taught to get the most out of what you bring individually to make the collective effort better. Is that true?
2: Absolutely. And also to, uh you know, raise the, the new leaders up. That, that's one of the hugest things is to help these young men become better young men.
1: You know, also in, in the military, specifically the Marines, you're taught to respect authority, obviously. How did you respond when the district told you that you shouldn't pray in front of your team?
2: You know, I, I wish I could say that. Uh, I said, all right, yeah, that's fine. But I, I do have a rebellious side to me. And I really had a problem with it, not as a Christian, because you could pray anywhere. That that wasn't right. the issue. It was the First Amendment, you know, taking away somebody's rights to, you know, to express their faith and to have to choose between their faith and their job. That did not sit well with me. And it was tough because these people are my friends. You know, the school district, I, I've worked with these guys for years, and they're still,
1: I would consider, you know, some of my best friends. Um, you know, there's a, there's a difference and we can, we can argue this. I think it's a little grayer area. If you were asking your players to pray with you, or if you were saying, if you want to play more, you're going to have to join me in prayer. Did you ever ask your team to pray with you or did it ever happen organically?
2: It, it was definitely organically. I, you know, asking somebody to come and pray that I never did that. That had nothing to do with what I was doing. I I started out praying by myself. A couple of kids asked if they could join. and I said, this is America. You can absolutely do whatever you want to do. You know, I really believe that me telling them to pray is just as bad as me telling them not to pray. They have the right to do whatever they want. Same as uh, all Americans in their faith.
1: Why did you continue to pray after games,
2: even after you were told that it could cost you your job? I would have to say the reason I just kept going was because I I always taught my my players, every one of my players to, you know, when things get tough and it gets hard out there on the football field, you know, they're all beat up. They might be losing by 60 points, no matter what the score is. If there's still time on the clock, you still continue fighting. It doesn't matter if things get uncomfortable. And I would be the biggest hypocrite hypocrite in the world if I sat there and said, oh, yeah, I. I could go along with this as long as it doesn't, you know, affect me or it's, you know, not comfortable for me. So the moment it became uncomfortable, I had to be that role model still and stand
1: up for what is right. You know, the the um, the counter argument to that and you and I talked, you know, before we recorded that I'm on your side uh, on this. But the counter argument is just go pray, you know, in the coach's office or just go pray under the stands or go pray somewhere where you know, they didn't say you couldn't pray. They said you couldn't pray in front of the fans, in front of the students. What's your response to that?
2: It was interesting. They kind of moved the goalposts on me. First they said, uh, just don't pray with the kids. And I agreed with that. Fine, it's your school. I, you know, I I will obey your rules. And then they said, I can pray even while on duty, just, you know, as long as you don't do it with with the students, it's fine. But then they said, no, you can't even do that. We can still see you. So, yeah, you know, Again, the Christian side of me, it, it didn't matter where I was praying, but it was it was really the constitutional side. And for people that say they have to go somewhere to go pray, you know, once you start that down that road, it's, it's very difficult to reach, you know, come back from that. You don't want to have people picking and choosing when and where the Constitution applies. It applies to all.
1: What did you say? And you talk about what your reaction was kind of internally. What did you say to them when they said, if you pray again, kneeling at the 50 yard line or whatever, if you pray anywhere in public, it's going to cost you your job. How did you voice your opinion or your next steps to the to the school board? As you said, many of whom are still your friends.
2: Right. I went to the school board and I you know, basically fell on the sword. And I said, you know, hey, I didn't know what your rules were. Their only rule said that you cannot encourage nor discourage kids in prayer. And I was in alignment with that. And when they t- gave me the ultimatum between my job and my faith, that's when all negotiations between both this, the school district and myself, they, they had lawyers on their side and I needed help because here I am just a high school football coach. I don't know anything about the law. I don't know anything about, you know, defending myself in court or anything like that. I needed help. So I reached out. Well, actually, I had a friend reach out
1: and uh, I,
2: I got some legal help for
1: this. What are you hoping to accomplish with this case? Are you merely trying to get your, your job back? Are you trying to set a standard for other coaches? What, what's your goal with this case?
2: Originally, it was just purely to have my job at you know get my job back as a coach and have the right to pray uh the through the court systems they really have taken a step further and any kind of display is now against the law according to the ninth circuit so yeah i'm trying to get back the rights of all americans and myself all coaches imagine this all the teachers everybody works for the government if you ever showed any kind of display of religion you're going to get fired and that's what I'm standing for, that and absolutely to get my job back as a coach.
1: Uh, Mr. Berry, uh, first of all, I appreciate you being on here uh, and joining us today. Why did First Liberty take this case?
0: Well, we, First Liberty took this case because just as, as coach pointed out, this is not just about one football coach from Bremerton, Washington. This is about the rights of millions of Americans to live out their faith freely whether they're a government employee or not. And for a government, uh, in this case, a public school district, to tell one of their employees, you have to choose between your faith and your job, that, that's unconstitutional and that's un-American. And especially when it comes to a man like Coach Kennedy, who has, uh, you know, would have been willing to put his life on the line to defend these very freedoms that he's now had taken from him. Uh, I think the question is, how could we not take this case? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, can you talk
1: about progress? Obviously, it, it, it went up the ladder, so to speak, the judicial ladder all the way to the Supreme Court. And they didn't, they didn't say no, they just said not yet. Can you just talk about the progress
0: and where it stands right now? The old saying is that the wheels of justice turn very slowly, right? And uh, we're certainly experiencing that in this case. Uh, this has been a, a marathon and not a sprint. And uh, as, as I think, as you laid out for us, you know, we've gone from trying to negotiate with the school district to having to sue them uh, because they refused to negotiate with us and and come to the table and meet with us. And so we sued them. We went to the district court. We went through the ninth circuit court of appeals. We went to the U S Supreme court and now here we are. And then we went back down to the district court again. And here we are again at the ninth circuit. So, um, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're doing it all over again. It feels like, and in terms of progress uh, I, I think one notable thing that we got out of this is that the four of the justices on the Supreme court said that they found the ninth circuit's decision the first time around, you know, very troubling. Uh, and I think that's an understatement, right? That the notion that you are not protected by the first amendment when you engage in religious activity simply because it's visible by other people uh, that doesn't just affect a football coach who kneels after a game that affects a, a school teacher who wants to say grace before they eat lunch or a, a Muslim school teacher who wants to wear a head covering uh, because that's the, the, you know, part of their religious beliefs and so on and so forth down the line. So this doesn't just affect one football coach at one school. And, and that's actually been demonstrated by the outpouring of support that we've received from around the country and, and many, many football coaches asking us, Hey, first Liberty, I'm a coach. And I say a, a quick prayer before our games, just to make sure none of my kids get hurt or whatever. Am I allowed to do that? Or am I going to get fired? Or, you know, one of the more interesting ones was, Hey, if we're, if we're down by three at the, at the very end of the game and our kickers going onto the field, Can I say a quick prayer, you know, or, you know, (laughs) if I ask my quarterback to throw a Hail Mary, are we even allowed to call it a Hail Mary now? Or is that is that illegal? You know, and so, uh, I mean, obviously, some of these can be a little a a little humorous. But I I think underneath that humor is a is is a legitimate question that the Ninth Circuit didn't answer for us. And it's it's interesting, uh,
1: Mr. Berry, that you you reference it.
0: This is not a
1: Christian argument. You know, this is if, if the if the you know the coach or the teacher is is of a different faith, Muslim, whatever. The the this decision by the Circuit of Court of Appeals or the District Court and then upheld by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals restricts anybody, regardless of what their faith is, uh, from practicing that. Isn't, isn't that what you're what you
0: guys are are arguing? Absolutely, absolutely. This this affects everyone right this is about all of our freedoms in this country and if you're a person of faith of a different faith or of no faith at all you should be outraged by this because this is the the you know to one of your earlier questions that you asked coach right uh what was wh- why couldn't you just comply with their their directive to go inside the locker room and pray or go somewhere else and pray where you can't be seen uh i think that's that that suggestion by the school district was offensive because uh, it implies, first of all, that faith is something that we should be ashamed of and we should have to hide from public view, right? And, and faith is something that we've always been proud of in this country, regardless of what faith you happen to be. This is a country that opens its arms to people of faith and says, this is a place where you can thrive, right? Whereas in other countries, if you're of the wrong faith, you might be hunted down and executed, right? And, and second, I think the other thing about that suggestion by the school district that really bothers me is why does the government get to decide the manner in which somebody should, should exercise their faith? Why do they get to dictate the terms? Uh, do they, are they now going to start telling people what size, length, color a cross necklace is? Are they going to start dictating to a, a Muslim uh, woman what her uh, head covering has to look like? You know, Are they going to dictate to... To to Jewish people, uh, what type of yarmulke they wear, when they can wear it, where they can wear it, etc. You know, those suggestions would be out, It would just seem ridiculous and outrageous to most people. But that's really, if you pull the thread on the Ninth Circuit's decision, that's where this leads.
1: And and even though I may agree with you, Coach, if if you had after the game gone and grabbed the public address mic and said, "I'm going to pray. If you don't like it, just don't listen." but and prayed over the public the loudspeaker whether I agree with your prayer or not I could see how they could argue that but you simply expressing your faith in a private setting but visible by others it just it doesn't you know I guess I'm I'm agreeing with you Mr. Barry that it just doesn't seem to fit and it's a slippery slope isn't it
0: Yeah that's right I mean the, the fact that somebody can see him um, is it should be irrelevant because if he bends down, takes a knee to tie his shoe, it looks no different than to somebody sitting in the stands. Or if he, you know, dro- you know, drops a contact lens and he's looking for it. <laughs> uh, you know, how is that any different? Yeah. And and the school district was, their argument against that was essentially, well, we know what he's really doing. And my, my response is, really? How do you know what he's really doing? You know, are you inside of his head? Uh, and you only know because we told you that right. he is going to do this in a manner that ensures that he's not doing it with the players because that's what you asked. We thought that that was a reasonable request. Okay. If you want to pray, you can pray, just pray by yourself. Don't pray with the players. That's perfectly fine. right? And, and, and we thought that was reasonable, but then as coach said, they moved the goalposts and they said, well, we don't like the fact that people can see you praying. So now we want you to do it in a way where nobody can see you. And that's just a bridge too far. Yeah. That's not that's something that no school district or arm of the government should ever have the authority to demand of people in this country.
1: OK, um, we we addressed it quickly and then and then I probably took you off task. The, the progress it's now back with the the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And I may be calling it the wrong name, but the, the court that's in California, the step before the Supreme Court, where do you stand? On this case with that court, and what has to happen for the Supreme Court to consider it again?
0: So that's exactly right. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has this case right now. It's currently pending before that court, a, a three-judge panel, uh, the same three judges that we had the first time around. Uh, we anticipate they'll issue a decision. I mean, it could be sometime, you know, during during the summer or the fall. It's usually several months at minimum. Okay. Uh, uh, we are hopeful for a favorable ruling, but if we get an unfavorable ruling, we are fully prepared to take this back to the U.S. Supreme Court again, if necessary.
1: So that's your next step, then, if, if their ruling is not favorable, to take it to the Supreme Court.
0: That's right. You need four justices to say, we think that the court should hear this case uh, in order to get, you know, to have your case heard before the U.S. Supreme Court. And then, of course, you need a minimum of five justices right. to win your case. Uh, And I think that's something that's notable is that the last time we went before the US Supreme Court, uh, we we obviously didn't get the four justices to agree to hear the case. We had four justices who thought that there were issues, but that there were some questions that had to be resolved, as you pointed out. Uh, The difference is, uh, at that time, we did not have Justice Amy Coney Barrett on the Supreme Court. Uh, Justice Ginsburg was still alive and was on the court. And of course, now the difference is we have a Justice Barrett on the court. So Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. One of the
1: earlier things we talked about was the fact that four Supreme Court justices ruled that there were still some questions or or issued a statement that there was still some questions that needed to be answered. Do you feel like those questions have been answered uh, adequately to take it back to the Supreme Court should you not get a favorable ruling um, with the Ninth District Court of Appeals?
0: Yes. I mean, absolutely. Uh, You know, we've put together uh, an incredible, uh, you know, legal team to to represent Coach Kennedy. Uh, They've done a fantastic job at every step of the way. And we feel that, you know, this case is absolutely ready for the Supreme Court to hear it if we don't get a favorable result at the Ninth Circuit. All right. Well, Coach, I want to
1: come back to you here real quick as we wrap up. Um, What are you doing these days? Obviously, you can't coach, and that's, I can tell that's gnawing at you. Uh, What are you doing to keep busy?
2: Uh, what I'm doing to keep busy now is uh, actually a bunch of manual labor. I had a really cushy office job and it was driving me absolutely crazy not being able to have an outlet, you know, because that's what coaching was. It was my outlet. I got to work out with my team. So, yeah, my wife and I, we decided that we're going to just uh, live on faith. And uh, now I'm just out there working and making a living just like everybody else. OK, you have kids? Yes sir, we got four kids. Uh, one of them's in the Marine Corps. He's in Iwakuni, Japan, and three of our kids are
1: up in Bremerton, Washington. Okay, in in school there. They all graduated from Bremerton High School already. Oh, okay. So all four of them. so you guys are kind of empty nesters. Um, did you get to coach any of your kids?
2: <laughs> no,
1: that would be a bad thing. <laughs> My
2: son tried <laughs> My son tried to play football in peewees and it stressed me out so bad. I don't know how anybody could ever you coach one of their own kids. You have too much uh, invested at that point. So my kids played soccer and uh, tennis and baseball. So I didn't have to coach my kids. Thank God.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. And just the the final question I have for you. um, And it's really a two-part question, but I guess the answer is probably going to be the same. With the outcome of this case, what do you see in your future?
2: I I see myself back up in Washington state on the 50 yard line and having the right to just actually thank God for exactly what he, he asked me to do. And that's
1: out there to lead young men out there on the football field. All right. And I think the way you wrap that up is a good way of doing it. You're you're not out there trying to make a statement. You're not out there trying to change the world. You're trying to lead young men And, and lead, lead young men and show them what, what liberties they have based on people like you who fought for that, for their rights. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct.
2: I, I I don't like the spotlight. I don't want to be the guy, you know, leading that fight, but this is what I'm called to do right now. As soon as uh, my lawyers win, I would like to just get back on the football field and and just continue doing what I'd love to do.
1: All right. Well, you, you just heard it there, Mr. Barrett. He's, he's putting all the pressure on you. He just he just handed you the ball and said we need a we need a fourth down conversion here, go for it.
0: <laughs> uh, All right, he, well, he uh, yeah he's in good hands. So uh, uh, as as we used to say, back on when I was a kid playing football, just give me the rock. I'm ready to you know put me in, coach. I'm ready to go.
1: All right, there you go. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for joining us. I wish you the best of luck, and uh, we'll we'll stay in touch and we'll. Uh, we'll just look forward to a positive outcome on this awesome thank you so much thanks for having us
0: thanks for listening to sports connections with david smale make sure to subscribe follow and rate the show from your favorite podcast platform you can learn more about david smale and his work by visiting com. don't forget to join us weekly for new episodes until next time